You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted, it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Travis Curra, Sheldon Jones with you this week. Only three games in the CFL happening, so the show's probably going to be a little bit quicker than usual. Start the show with something fun today. Have you ever been on a cruise, Sheldon? I have. Yes. Yes, okay. I have been. Tell me about it. Where were you? Like, what location? What was the destination? Tell me about this thing. Uh, it was awesome. It was like our uh, our honeymoon. Wow. We went to, uh, we did a cruise of the Western Caribbean. Uh, so we sailed out of Tampa and we went to. Did you yeah, go to like a shop on the beach, Hulk Hogan? <laughs> no, I didn't even think about that. Back then. This was like, this was in 2012. I don't even know okay. if you had it yet or not. Maybe not, but maybe not. Yeah, so Grand Cayman was our first stop. Uh, and then we stopped in Belize. And wow. Oh, sorry, Cozumel first. Tammy's yeah. correcting me in the back here. <laughs> Cozumel. And then we went to uh, Belize which don't ever go to Belize. It sucks. Okay. And then Rotan, Rotan in the, in Honduras. That was the best place ever. Wow. The reason I bring this up is because a luxury cruise ship is allowing you to live at sea forever for a million bucks, which actually is, I don't have a million bucks, but <laughs> it's slightly cheaper than I thought. You, you would be living in a 237-square-foot studio apartment on this cruise. Or if you got $8 bucks, you can live in the two-floor, four-bedroom. But I'm, I just, I would not be good. I, I don't think I would live long. If there are buffets, and just like I imagine a cruise would be like, I'd be yeah. paying a million bucks to live two weeks at sea. So. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually discussed with a friend. We've actually made like discussions of like, of, like thinking about like. There's lots of people who do retire and they just, they just go on cruise after cruise after cruise after cruise because they don't have a mortgage to pay for. They don't have to worry about cars, nothing like that. The they just live, yeah, and that would be amazing. Actually, the the, the, the worst, the food was actually really good. Nice, like. All the they had a bunch of different buffets. They had this cool like every night you got to sit at the exact same table at the exact same time. You had the exact same server by like the third day they remember your name, and like it was all fancy. You're supposed to dress up for that place, uh, and it was awesome. Like, hey, this is my expensive shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you looked pretty fancy the other day when you had that burger half dipped in <laughs> Well, and I'm thinking amazing. The, the two and out cruise. Could we organize a trip? Hey, maybe like four people would come on it, but Brazilian Thai doesn't leave the casino. I don't leave the buffet. Like th- this, this sounds like something we need to do in the off season. 
Well, we have a we have a, a fair number of friends who are wrestling fans. We should just go on Jericho's cruise and take it over. I like this. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross, and Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough, and they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. So let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. And Alberta Blue Cross Group Benefit Plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. All right, as uh, I said before, it's a short week in the CFL. It's week 15, but it starts Friday night. The Riders, home to Chris Jones and the Edmonton Elks. Jonesy making his return to Regina for the first time since since leaving a, a few years back. I I feel like maybe this would have had some excitement earlier on in the season, but the, the, the Rough Riders skid as of late, four straight home losses. The Elks don't really have a flattering record. That probably takes down the excitement level just a notch, but you'd think that Rider Nation would be pretty fired up to welcome Chris Jones back to Mosaic Stadium. Hey, Sheldon? Oh, I think we're going to be fired up, but I think if there's any coach who could not give less of a shit <laughs> about going back to somewhere like that, it's Chris Jones. So Yeah, I think uh, so. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some booze. Maybe they'll finally get the whole Kurt Angle, you suck thing working in the entrance, but I doubt it. But. You know, it, it's it's too bad. I, like, I know when the Bombers came out on Labor Day, the booing was, was really up here, but... I really thought that the wrestling fans slash CFL fans would have a more of an overlap, but not quite. Maybe they'll get there. Maybe they'll get there. They need to. They need to like figure it out, and they need to put like "you suck." Yeah, you there suck we go. On like a jumbotron, and like, but it's like the one guy on Twitter saw it and like, oh, let's do this, and nobody's gonna figure out about it. Like, <laughs> they haven't done it. To, they haven't got it justice but we'll see we'll i will see say happens. this it is the lights out game it's become i guess an annual september tradition in regina mm-hmm. now i've never been to one of these uh it seems like for the team intros the lights are out there's all sorts of uh light shows going on is it a pretty cool to attend one of these yeah it's cool like uh, i think this is yeah the third one um the first one actually we were on the field with the the flag for the oh, opening nice. thing. So we were holding the big flag. And that was the game. That was Darian's first game back. Oh. And so they played that video thing for him. And he's like standing like 20 feet away from me. It was cool. Uh, but I, the players are definitely more fired up when it's dark, I think. Mm. And it just makes a cooler it's entrance. Like a and concert, yeah. Be the perfect time for them to bring back black jerseys. But It doesn't look like it's going to happen. There was all sorts of rumors yeah. surrounding that, wasn't there? Yeah, there's some rumors about some Hunter Green ones coming, but we'll see. I, but yeah, I, no, it's it's a fun night. They in between like in between like the commercial breaks, they even drop the lights. And, oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's a fun fun game. As for the Edmonton Elks, some news from their camp extending quarterback Taylor Cornelius 
for a couple of years, and I've seen Dave Naylor mention it and other reporters mention it, that maybe he was a target for the XFL as they get set to be back on the field next year. Taylor Cornelius did play there the last time the XFL was on the field, but this this signing kind of kind of surprised me. Maybe Chris Jones is a fan of Cornelius. There's no doubt that he's an athletic guy. Um, And I I think Elks fans will tell you they just want to see more consistency. But over the last four games, he's had 1,044 passing yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. The completion percentage right around 60%. That does include that nasty game against Ottawa when there was only 38%, but he's also added uh, 113 rushing yards, three rushing TDs. So he's an athletic guy. And considering what's around him, the rest of the offense, the offensive line isn't as strong as they'd like it to be. And he's been without Kenny the King Lawler. But I was still a little bit surprised to see the Elks extend Cornelius for a couple more seasons. What did you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think that he's certainly been serviceable. Um, And yeah, like Jones loves his athletic players. So uh, it it makes kind of sense in that in that way, but I was kind of thinking that they were going to try to see what Trey can do uh, now that he's back uh, healthy, and kind of keep these last you know few weeks of the season to really figure out what's going to be going on next year. But for them to sign for them to sign for two years, that's kind of showing a commitment there, which is interesting. Yeah, this uh, whole season, I think, was an evaluative season for the Elks. That's what Chris Jones did in Regina. It's what he's doing this year. And I guess Cornelius has done enough to win him over. Uh, We know that Trey Ford is also an athletic quarterback. I I would like to think that the investment in him with the draft in the, in the first round that maybe they think of him a little bit higher. And you're right. Trey Ford is healthy. Now he's going to be in uniform Friday night in Regina, obviously not going to be starting, but he, even he kind of, I listen to interviews with him. He's like, if the team wants me to be a quarterback, I will be the quarterback. If they want me to line up wherever else, you know what? He'll line up wherever else, but he's that good of an athlete that they can use him in all sorts of different situations. Will it happen this week? I'm not sure, but I'm excited for the future for Trey Ford in green and gold. And they do have some newcomers to the team that have been making an impact in the lineup, including Dylan Mitchell, the receiver. Over the past two games, by the way, on Fantasy, he's like 2600 bucks. 199 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I had him in my lineup last week, 17 points. Kevin Brown, the running back. I'm looking at the stats there for for him, and he's playing some good ball as well. He's only played two games, and they've only given him 15 carries. 9.1 yards a carry. <laughs> it's a pretty good start to a CFL career for Kevin Brown. So maybe they found something good in that running back. Only 25 years old. You would like to think at home the Ryder defense going to have a better performance than last week in Winnipeg. But the Elks are starting to have some weapons that are uh, that are producing some yards here and there for that offense. Yeah, and 
the Riders are still they're still pretty banged up on the interior D line. Uh so that's that's just a a little chink in the armor that they can go after. Uh because Lanyard's looking like he's gonna be out, I think Dickinson to yeah. said today. Uh so if he's averaging nine yards a carry, I fully expect McAdoo to to run him up the gut as long as he can until we can stop him. Some news in Saskatchewan. Cody Fajardo is a father welcoming Luca into the world this week. And also Taryn Vaughn of the Riders is a, a new papa as well. So congratulations to them hearing the news that Cody Fajardo uh, ran off the field to cheers from his teammates uh, Tuesday in practice. And uh, what happened online after that? Everybody uh, debated his merits as a quarterback, so <laughs> no remorse in Regina. <laughs> yeah, I think yesterday could have been a day that everyone could have just let that go. Exactly. Uh, but that's not Ryder fans. That's nope. not what they do. <laughs> you mentioned and the Riders being banged up. That uh, injury report is pretty long right now. It is. Um, it is. Duke Williams still expected not to play uh, with the ankle injury. Uh, you mentioned Anthony Lanier on the defensive line, and I think he's a valuable piece to that defensive line up the middle. Logan Furland, uh, who I think has started to really um, gain some notoriety. Like, he's definitely improved as his CFL career comes along. Still a young offensive lineman, but they'll be without him as he's dealing with a, with a back injury. Um, we see Dan Clark limited in practice, uh, and still, some of the some of the players may be dealing with the after effects of that uh, illness that kind of wreaked havoc on the locker room last week. This is a game that I feel for the Riders, maybe not technically a must-win where it's a winner, you're done, but I think they need to kind of make a statement here. This, this, yeah. they, they need to really show that they have come together over the past few weeks. It's been a rough stretch for the team, but I, I think it's a big one for them. They need to... And they beat the Elks twice this year. Beating a team three times isn't easy, and the Elks seem to perform better on the road for, for some reason. So they're going to come in and try to spoil the party in Saskatchewan. But uh, I think the Riders really need to come into this game pretty fired up, man. They do. And, like, because, yeah, four, four losses in a row at home. Uh, and if they win, they knock out the Elks of Con contention for the crossover. Um, but both of these teams let 50, like 50 plus on them last game. So yeah, both teams yeah. are going to be pissed off. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a good test for the riders, whether, whether the CFL fans think it's going to be that much of a test. I know doing my pick earlier today, it was like 95, I think 95% were picking riders, but that's, it's not a sure thing. Uh, I'd like to think that Cody's going to play a little fired up, you know, now that his his kid is here and that, that stress of the pregnancy is maybe a little over. And, and you know that the, the offense is going to want to build on what they, what they were able to do in Winnipeg because, you know, as 
I, this is probably the first time in a long time that I wasn't as upset with lo- <laughs> losing that badly because with all the the stuff the offense was going, especially the offensive line with this bug, they were actually pretty good in when they were able to have the ball. <laughs> when when if they let them have the ball, I guess. Uh, so they can build on that. And Cody, honestly, in the past three or four games, has been like the 2019 Cody. So if he can keep that going, now is the time that they need to show the fans and the other teams that they're a legit contender if they can get into the playoffs and get a couple wins. I didn't hear much about illness wreaking havoc on the defense, but that's that's where they struggled last week. And maybe that's just how good Winnipeg is. Um, when you, when you're not pressuring Kolaris, I mean, <laughs> when he's able to extend the play and get out of the pocket, he'll still make you pay. But when you don't even make him move at all, then you don't have much of a chance. So they're going to need to get after Cornelius. And uh, at times, he hasn't had time in the pocket at all uh, been forced to move for Edmonton. So I, I don't think Edmonton's much of a a pushover. They gave Calgary trouble in Calgary twice this season, and they got smashed at home twice this season, so I don't know what it is. The home cooking hasn't been kind to Saskatchewan over the last month, and it hasn't been good to Edmonton for the past uh, couple of years. So, <laughs> I, I I don't think it is a pushover in this game. I do want to shout out Jake Hardy. That video that the Rough Riders put out this week uh, was, awesome. was awesome. Yeah, Over Labor Day, the Riders had like a fan day where you could uh, meet players and get autographs and things like that and they put Jake Hardy in disguise <laughs> and pranked several <laughs> several of the players on the team and yeah it was but there are fans that are actually like that I think <laughs> 100% there are but I don't think I could I could tell somebody that hey your autograph sucks give me another one <laughs> it's a great video if you haven't yeah. seen it as far as betting lines go the riders eight-point favorites. I, I feel like that's a bit of a generous line uh, in Saskatchewan's favor. I think it'll be a chippy game. Uh, now we go to Tim Hortons Field, the Ticats, home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, where the Bombers are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. And normally I like to try to sell you on a game on why the game's going to be competitive, why you should be interested in this game. I, I I don't know how I feel about Hamilton's chances right now, which is quite different. Over the past couple of years, this was the Grey Cup matchup. And Hamilton almost beat Winnipeg in the Grey Cup just last year. But things have changed. Uh, they've got all sorts of injury issues in their locker room. They've got all sorts of quarterback issues right now as well. They decided to go with Dane Evans. Uh, he has practiced in full this week, the right shoulder injury. We'll see how healthy he truly is. But <laughs> I feel like Winnipeg is now just heating up, which is which is kind of scary to mention, if they're not going to be able to protect Dane, this one could get ugly in a hurry, Sheldon. In a hurry. 
Absolutely. And, and Dane's also kind of, he's kind of got that Kevin Glenn thing where, you know, he's going to throw that one pick almost every game and it's never at the right time. Too uh, bad this year it's been like four or five picks at times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like an upset and I would love nothing more than Winnipeg to lose here, but this is, this is, <laughs> It's not going to be a good night for Steinhauer and the Ticats. Yeah, they're coming off the bye, but still, Cariel Brooks, on Wednesday he practiced in full. Monday, Tuesday, he wasn't on the field. Tyler Ternowski back practicing in full. Uh, Anthony Johnson, the receiver, hasn't practiced this week and looks like maybe going to still be without Chris Van Zyl. We'll see what happens here. The offensive lineman was practicing in full Monday, limited Tuesday, no practice on Wednesday. So that's not the best sign. And if you talk about the Ticats defense, uh, Julian Hauser didn't practice on Wednesday after practicing in the limited capacity on Monday and Tuesday. The the Ticats D-line has been pretty good at stopping the run. In fact, the Ticats defense, number one in the CFL against the rush right now, only surrendering 76 and a half yards a game. So they've been pretty impressive, but they haven't been good at getting after the quarterback. And if there's going to be no pressure on Winnipeg, I just, I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't see much of a chance for for the Ticats here, especially considering that now the Bombers are going to be welcoming Brandon Alexander back to the lineup. Uh, he's been practicing with the first team defense, has not played yet this season. So that's an addition to the Winnipeg defense. And then on offense, I know they looks like they might be without Drew Wolitarski this week, but the starting center who has been injured for much of the season, Michael Couture back practicing at center. So now the Bombers, this Last third of the season, they've got more bye weeks. They're getting healthier as the weather cools down. It's not a good sign for Hamilton. It's also not a good sign for the rest of the CFL. <laughs> no, and and Hamilton's stingy run defense, like it's almost, that's going to be nothing because, yeah, Calaris is going to pick them apart if they can't run. And... If you try to blitz him, he's going to run around and he's going to find Sean or he's going to find Bailey or he's going to find Dembski. Like, yeah. he has yeah. so many targets. And it's like, the first year I was kind of like still really anti-Winnipeg because I'm a Ryder fan. The second year I was like, man, these guys are good and they're fun to watch. And now this third year, it's like every time I see the Bombers, it's like the whole corner gas Woolerton thing where I want to spit on the ground. Like, but you can't deny how good they are. No, like, it's, no. I do not want to see a team win three great cups in a row, especially Winnipeg, but I don't see anybody stopping them right now. On, on one hand, it's look, witnessing history, right? Yeah. Um, the Argos won back to back in the nineties. Uh, the Owls won back to back. I know, in 2009 and 2010. Did they? No, yeah, they did. <laughs> but Edmonton doing the, the five in the row in the late 70s and 
early 80s. I don't know if I want to put up with this for another uh, couple years after this season, but you got to respect what they're doing. And even last year, the, uh, the I think everybody knew. Like, it was just the way that Winnipeg plays as a team and as a group and the continuity they had going into last year and again this year where but we've seen I think a different team they, they don't have the same like Jefferson and Jeffcoat still incredible players they're not forcing the the turnovers they had over the past couple seasons and they're not just the boring team that runs up the gut and beats you up there's a lot of finesse and there's a lot of long plays there's a lot of extending plays and athleticism and and they don't take penalties they don't make stupid mistakes that well they did against Montreal early this year that that beat them but they don't panic when they're behind it's <laughs> every other team could I think learn a thing or two by watching the the Winnipeg Blue Bombers but I I think for Hamilton what can they do to come out of this game with a positive, uh, they're, they're three and nine. Uh, behind the Montreal Alouettes, who are on by this week. The Argos also on by, and the Red Blacks on by. So uh, I guess, yeah, they're the only Eastern team playing this week. Do they I, maybe sure. just try to build something with the offense? Because that's where they've really struggled. When the offense can't run the ball, they can't stay on the field, and they're giving the ball away. <laughs> There's no almosts in football. There's no moral victories. But the Ticats really need to start building some consistency with the offense going forward to have some hope somewhere down the stretch. Yeah, they need to, like you said, get the offense going because – they have Tom, like Tommy Condell is still, I think, one of the better offensive minds in the league. He's got a lot of and, respect, yeah. And he, they chose Dane over over Jeremiah, and they got to run with him now. But it's they need to see like the the, the remainder of the season. They need to get some moral victories. <laughs> they yeah, need to show yeah. that they can compete because if not, then. When you go to the Grey Cup two years in a row and you're the best team in the East, bar none, two years in a row, and then you're the worst team in the East, when Ottawa's in the East, you are in a territory of it's time to blow everything up. And it, it looks inevitable at this point, but if they can try to at least be competitive for the rest of the league here, then maybe they'll get another chance with with Steinhauer next year and to see if they can fix this problem, but I don't see that happening. The Ticats actually have a pretty tough schedule the rest of the way. Obviously, the Bombers this week, and then next week they do have the Alouettes, so maybe they can close some ground, but then the week after that, it's a bye. After that Thanksgiving weekend, it's the Riders. Then they have the Stampeders. Then they have the Red Blacks twice. So eh, maybe that last one, last two games at the end of the season, they can, I guess, lock up third place, but that's not going to get you into the playoffs. 
this year, which certainly is disappointing after two straight appearances in the Grey Cup for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, are the Bombers going to cover that eight and a half point spread? In the first quarter. <laughs> Okay, so I think part of me feels like uh, the, the banjo bowl was pedal to the metal because it was the riders. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have the same sort of intensity. I mean, the Bombers always play with intensity and they always play physical. I don't know if they have the same sort of inspiration to pop 50 on Hamilton. <laughs> no, that, maybe not, but... If I was them, to be honest, I would want to see that. If I was their offensive coaches, they ha- like I said, I've, I've been on the show a few times this, this year here, and they this was the first game, really, that they put the pedal to the metal in the first quarter. Most yeah. of the other games, they, you know, they, they made their mistakes early on. They, they kind of started slow. And so if I'm O'Shea, if I'm you know, Buck Pierce, I want to see them put the pedal to the metal in get a couple of majors in the first quarter just to show them that, hey, we can start games too. We we don't just have to leave everything to the fourth quarter. The last game of the week, the Calgary Stampeders, six-point favorites over the BC Lions, over-under set at 53 for this one. And for BC, Vernon Adams is going to be getting his first start with the Lions. And let's let's face it here. I know the Lions are... Still second in the West, but um, they're eight and three. Calgary's eight and four. And look, Calgary wins this game. They're in second. And then all of a sudden, the Lions are just trying to hang on and try to put something together here. The, the loss of Nathan Rourke has affected that entire team. Um, Vernon Adams maybe doesn't know the playbook all the way, maybe doesn't have the the chemistry you need with the rest of the receivers in there. <laughs> and going into McMahon Stadium against the team that seems to be, yeah, coming together after smashing Edmonton last week, it's, it's trial by fire in BC, and I love Vernon Adams. I'm a fan of the guy. And I really hope he's ready to go Saturday at McMahon Stadium because the Stampeders are going to be fired up trying to work their way towards hosting that Western semifinal. Agreed. Like, you have to think that the Stampeders are like, they just want to put their their foot on the throat of, you know, the ailing lines here because... Uh, they're going to they're gonna try to confuse Vernon Adams because he's probably already going to be confused. Uh, but the one thing that Vertum Adams, Vertum Adams has is that mentality of to, you know, run around and try to find open spaces or just take off and run. So um, I think it's going to be a very good matchup uh, between the Calgary defense and Vertum Adams. There. I look at the Stamps' four losses. Three of them are to the Bombers, and one of them is by one point to the – Nathan Rourke, BC Lions. So, and, and they lost to Winnipeg by two. Uh, they lost to them by seven back in July. These, these are close, close games they had with Winnipeg. They lost to them by seven twice in in July. And one of them, Kamar Jordan, the uh, 
the, the pass that he ended up uh, letting hit the turf that would have at least forced overtime. And then the other one, the short week with Jake Mayer taking over in Winnipeg, losing by two. Uh, if that's our Western final, I, I think we're in for a show, Stampeders and Bombers. The Stamps, for their credit, looks like they're going to be welcoming back veteran center Sean McEwen, who's been out since July with a high ankle sprain. And their offensive line has been holding it together. Young Bryce Bell has performed pretty well in his absence. Now that Kamar Jordan is on the six-game injured list, I'm interested to see who's going to emerge as maybe that number three target in the Calgary offense. Historically, they've been able to kind of work the ball around. Is uh, Luther Hakunavanu going to emerge as the number three? Or uh, Jalen Philpot? Or the, the, the Dukes, the, the player that got hurt uh, last week, hasn't been practicing uh, this week, but they expect him to be ready, ready to go. Even <laughs> Trey Odom's Dukes, there, there's his name, mm-hmm. made his uh, CFL debut last week. Drew one of the worst pass interference calls I've seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. But it, it does appear he'll be able to play this week. Who's going to emerge as that number three in the Calgary offense? But I think without a doubt, I think we're all going to get to know Malik Henry even more. This season, <laughs> 45 catches, 802 yards, seven touchdowns. He's got 17.8. That is his average per catch. That's wild. And then in the last three games, 29 targets. 10 each uh, in the last game against Edmonton, and then the one against Winnipeg on August 25th, and then nine Labor Day against Edmonton. So Jake Mayer does like to throw to Malik Henry, and he's had four touchdowns in three games. He might be a guy they're looking towards this Saturday against the Lions, a secondary that's going to be without Delvin Bro, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, after having that one little down game, uh, Mayors just came back to being the mayor of Calgary, and, uh, you know, <laughs> so he, he's going to find a way. He's going to find that person to step up. Uh, they can use their running game, too, with throwing Logan in there a little bit more, hopefully, for maybe somebody's fantasy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, no, like, I I think Calgary's offense is they're the, they're the second best in the league, obviously, behind Winnipeg, uh, I would say, and and that's with some adversity. So it's inter- I'm going to be a very watching it closely to see who that, that target's going to be. It's been a rough stretch for running back James Butler, Week 9 against Edmonton, 15 carries, 37 yards. Uh, Week 11 against Saskatchewan, 13 carries, 16 yards. He only had four carries against Saskatchewan in Week 12, and last week against Montreal, six carries, 27 yards. The Lions offense needs balance, but where they're going to have a tough time this week is is against uh, Calgary in the special teams department. Mark Killam always has the Stampeders coached up well on special teams. It's been an area of struggle 
for the BC Lions. I know they have Terry Williams in the return game now, but uh, playing at McMahon Stadium, they cannot allow Vernon Adams and the Lions offense to be working with long fields. They can't allow Calgary to be working with short fields. It's going to be an integral part of this game Saturday night in Calgary. The Lions could also be without starting right guard Suk Chung, who's a physical presence on the offensive line in BC. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I, I just see a team trending down right now, and I really hope Vernon Adams Jr. has the playbook studied up. I really hope he's confident, and I hope the leash is long, that he can run around the backfield, and it seems like an insult, Sandlot football, but it, it can be fun to watch, and I hope they really just let Vernon Adams loose and let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough. I, I feel for BC Lions fans. Uh, like, I'm, of course, taken back to, like, 2014 when the Riders were, like, 8-2 and two or 8-1, and one, and then Durant goes down, and then our season just completely tanked. So I know what it feels like. Um, so I'm hoping that they can figure it out here because with what they were able to do in the beginning of the season, they deserve to be uh, a force in that playoffs, too. Um. Yeah, I hope I hope Vernon can ball out. I hope the Stamps can ball it. I hope it's like a forty-five to forty-seven game, and we get a doozy on Saturday night. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. All right, and looking at uh, fantasy this week, the CFL podcast uh, fantasy league. I've got Trey from the Canadian Football Countdown, and Ty is up against BB Can Ryan of Horseman Radio. So uh, we can figure out his lineup. It's going to be all Stampeders. Uh, yes, <laughs> Sheldon, <laughs> is is your lineup going to be full of Stampeders, or what do you got? I got one. That's actually funny. If I knew that Ty was against him, I would have. I was thinking about doing an all rider lineup just to have fun. <laughs> but uh, no. Yeah, I got one. I got, uh, as I said before, Peyton Logan. Um, but so for quarterback, I got Cody. Uh, I just, I think he's going to be fired up after Luca coming into the world here. So I think he's going to want to have a good game for him. So, uh, and then I have Frankie Hickston. Uh, and then for my receivers, I have Dalton Schoen. I think I've picked him pretty much every week, like at least since he's, second or third week. I think he's still under still 7, relatively cheap. Yeah, yeah, he's like yeah, he's in the sixes. Uh, and then I also have Rasheed Bailey because uh, I think that you know Kolaris is just going to be picking them apart. So I'm hoping that Rasheed can you know live up to some more of his potential that he was earlier on. Uh, and then for my flex, I'm picking Braden Lenius because I think that. Uh, you know his third third game back. I think it's now it's time that it's time for him to perform while he's still like relatively cheap. Uh, and then I have the Saskatchewan defense, which left me with fifteen dollars left over. Here's some fast fifteen bucks. That's pretty good. Here's some uh, nice. fascinating stats. So the Elks are giving up the most rushing yards per game. That's really not that surprising. Uh, Five point three yards a carry. They've given up the most rushing touchdowns. Twenty six of them. The next closest team was Montreal with seventeen. So they wow. they've given up a lot of rushing yards. So that makes Frankie Hickson a pretty attractive option for me. 
The team giving up the most passing yards per game is the Calgary Stampeders, 296.2 yards a game. They've given up the most completions. Maybe it just has to do with them being in the lead much of the well and they've started slow and they've had to come back this season too so uh, that's that's kind of interesting the team giving up the most completion percentage though is Edmonton 72.6 most average yards per pass is Edmonton most touchdown pass receptions is Edmonton so (laughs) at the bottom for a lot of uh, defensive categories here a lot of it has to do with those i'd have to crunch the numbers the stats for the games extracting the nathan Rourke games yeah <laughs> I guess well, and, and i and i believe that cody is has a 69 percent accuracy right now I nice yeah so <laughs> i thought i'd take it cody is my quarterback this week that's my quarterback and Look, maybe he wants to uh, have a good performance for for baby Luca. Congrats to Cody and his wife again. But <laughs> if they keep him in there for short yardage, so if they're able to get down to the goal line, he might be the guy mm-hmm. punching it in. Uh, I got Kadeem Carey as my first running back. I've got Frankie Hickson as my second running back and also Kyron Moore. So three riders in my lineup. Moore has been getting targets um, in his past few games. He had seven catches against Winnipeg on Labor Day, six against Winnipeg on uh, at the Banjo Bowl. So Cody definitely does like to look his way. I'm taking uh, Brendan O'Leary Orange right now, the receiver for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He scored his first career touchdown against Saskatchewan in the Banjo Bowl. And with Drew Wallatarski maybe out this week, maybe he's going to start and uh, get some yards there. And I think I'm going to keep riding with Dylan Mitchell of uh, the Edmonton Elks. Five catches, 120 yards against Calgary last week. Six catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown against Calgary on Labor Day. So he's had a good couple weeks here in that Edmonton offense. And I think I got to take the Winnipeg Blue Palmers defense going against Dane Evans and that Hamilton Tiger Cats offense. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you, and you can use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page. Or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. You can find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. It's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. Pick them this week. I'm going to guess that we're both picking Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Calgary. Bingo. I mean, week 15 does seem like a bit of a predictable week, but (laughs) that means that... uh, We're going to have wins from Edmonton, Hamilton, and BC (laughs) (laughs) to talk about next week. All right, when's your next cruise, Sheldon? Uh, We've actually been talking about, uh, Tam has a a credit. Yeah, so we might, uh, maybe this winter, I don't know. 
I got to give a shout out to Tam. It's her birthday on the 15th. So day this, this gets published. So happy shout out Tam. to to Taylor. My wife had a birthday on uh, Tuesday. So belated to her, your wife on, Hey, you yeah. were early. You, you're, you're better. <laughs> better than me when it comes to that. But I guess on the day of release. So happy birthday to yeah. her. It is yeah, no. spice season. Um, so, Go to the Elphinstone DQ in Regina, and uh, you have created your very own blizzard with what cinnamon rolls and pumpkin pie. It, it, am I do I got that right? You got it. That's it's fantastic. Uh, I it just it kind of it's like it reminds me of like you know like a pumpkin like cupcake or a pumpkin muffin. Like it's just it's better than the pumpkin pie. Like it's the cinnamon things are the best. They were the yeah. best blizzard we've had in a long. Can you add cookie dough to mine? <laughs> of course. If I, I wouldn't have had COVID dough. when you were here, I would have been able to get you a good blizzard. But... I love cookie dough. Like to the when I bake cookies, not much yeah. gets baked. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah. That's after fun. Yeah, exactly. Licking off the the spatula and all that stuff. You can. Uh, <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. You can uh, click like and leave a comment on YouTube as well. I was looking at the analytics. 100% female. Um, 100% between the ages of like, I think it was 25 and 34. And 49% from Canada. So I don't know what it is. Brazilian Thai, Sheldon Jones bringing in... Uh, Bringing in this guy's mustache. That's that's what it is. It's it's all mustache. the mustache, but all the comments are from the males. So I, I don't know how that. It can't. We be need another guy. special shout out. Oh. Joe's coming oh. to the game too, so I'm finally going to get to meet Joe, Mister Balaneski, who yeah. uh, has been invited on this program before. But uh, apparently, parenting oh, wow. is more important than two and out. I I don't know. I don't know about that. One. <laughs> got lots of time to tweet, though. Lots of time. A Brazilian time. Myself. We'll talk to you on Monday to wrap up week 15. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 